sometimes I have to remind myself to breathe after listening to our choir. It's beautiful. I appreciate everything that, that they do. And I appreciate you being here. I'm so glad to be able to worship with you today. And I'm so glad we made it here at the right time. My internal clock is telling me something different. I'm going to try to just uh, just uh, trust the external clock for one so that we're here. We all sprang forward and we made it, didn't we? All right. I'm glad that our online um, streamers are listening to us today. I want to say welcome and do a shout out for you today. We are beginning this journey to Easter. We started Wednesday. We had, we had such a wonderful turnout and such great enthusiasm for our Ash Wednesday service. We tried something different this year. We, we uh, went to Regency Point and had a, had a tremendous group at Regency Point, that, and we, uh, we did the imposition of ashes in the Ash Wednesday service there. We had it here uh, Wednesday night and had a great crowd, and Pastor Kerry did the ashes with the children in the chapel, so it was wonderful all the way around. A great start to this 40-day journey. And this is the first Sunday in Lent, and we're looking at Luke chapter 4. We always begin the journey to Easter in the desert. So will you join me? Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13 today. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him in the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love living in Alabama. I've lived here all my life. And, um, but I have to tell you the truth. Let's be honest. Sometimes it seems like Mother Nature in Alabama has multiple personalities. You just never know what you're going to get. We have um, some some parts of the country have four seasons, and uh, but we I think have about twenty, don't you? Uh, I have in your outline, by the way, if you want to look along with this, uh, there are some there's an outline for you to go. There's some fill-ins, but uh, here are the twenty seasons in Alabama. Um, number one, hunting, winter, pollen. Winter, again. Tornado, so this, this is where we are right now. Tornado, followed by so much pollen. One more winter. Tornado, attack of the mosquitoes. And then summer, then more summer, then even more summer. Then, please, Lord, make this summer end. 
and then football, then tornado again, and then fall. Just kidding, here's some more summer, and then winter and Christmas, and maybe one more summer. So uh, I'll tell you what, there's, there's, I don't know whether to laugh or cry about that. Um, but the place that Jesus went in Luke chapter 4 today didn't have 20 different seasons. It really had one. It had scorching hot during the day and freezing cold at night. And that's about it. It was the Judean wilderness. And it was not a place fit for anybody to live. Nobody went there. It was pretty much inhabited only by wild animals and scorpions. There wasn't much to eat. There wasn't much to drink. There was unrelenting danger. And that was the place that the Holy Spirit led Jesus right after his baptism, right after he was launching into his ministry. The heavens opened up. The voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came upon Jesus. Everything was great. And then Jesus went straight into the wilderness. And that just begs the question, why in the world would Jesus go into the wilderness? And then, beyond that, what does this journey to Easter of ours have to do with the wilderness? Why would we begin in the wilderness or in the desert? I think a couple of things about that. I think going into the wilderness for Jesus uh, got him away from all the other voices in his life so that he could hear more clearly the voice of God. And it will do the same for you and for me. Several years ago, I had a chance to go to Camp Simitonga for a silent retreat. You may wonder what a silent retreat is. I'm glad you asked. I don't know how they all work, but here's how this one worked for me. It was a three-day retreat, and you go to Camp Simitonga in the afternoon on that first day from about 3 to 5, you have the check-in time where you go and you find your room and get all your stuff put where it's supposed to go. And, and then you start together about 5 o'clock and the retreat leaders get all the participants in one room and they give you the, the lowdown on how the schedule's going to go and here's when we're going to eat and here's kind of the routine of the day. And then at 5.30 we have dinner together. Everybody gets to sit around and talk to one another, whoever who all the participants are, you, you meet different people and you just enjoy that time together. And right after dinner, the silence hits. And you don't say another word until the third day about lunchtime when you have the service of Holy Communion and right before you go, just silence. Now I want to ask you, you think you could do that? Oh, some of my extrovert friends are there they're like, I don't know, and, and some of you might be elbowing your spouse saying, there's no way you could do that, honey. I'm sorry. See, I'm a natural introvert, so I thought this is a piece of cake for me. I mean, I like going off and having time when it's quiet and everything. I thought, I got this lit. But y'all, that was more difficult than I ever imagined. It was fine that first evening, right after supper, because I, I thought, I got a good book to read. I go, and I read my book for a little while. I got sleepy and went to bed no big deal. It was kind of nice. But that next morning, I got out of bed just like I usually do and read, just raring to go, ready to do what I need to do to talk to who I needed to talk to to have them talk to me, uh, ready to 
check however many screens during the day. You realize how many screens we look at during the day to get all of the input. Listen to some music, listen to some news, all of this thing, all of this input, input, input. I had no idea how dependent I was on all of this constant stream of input. This constant noise, this constant setting voices and screens so that first morning uh, of the second day of the silent retreat, I had what I can only describe as withdrawal. I really had the heebie-jeebies because I was not hearing anything except what was going on inside of me and the whispers of the Holy Spirit. What I discovered after lunch, when I kind of got into the rhythm and the routine, I discovered that because I didn't have all these other distractions, I was hearing the voice of God in my heart in a holy way. I was able to really process some things I needed to process for me in my own spiritual walk. I was able to pray for everybody that I needed to pray for. I read... I wrote in my journal. I tried, I, I walked and hiked. I even tried to get in one of those emu hammocks, the things that wraps you up kind of like a black-eyed pea in a pod, you know. It looks a whole lot cooler than it feels. It was not comfortable for, for me. Maybe it's just me. But I tried all of that, all with no voices around me at all, except when we worshiped together, what few voices I heard then. I highly recommend finding wilderness time. I highly recommend you don't have to go to Sumatanga or to uh, to the um, Abbey in Cullman or somewhere like that. You can you can do that, but you can start by just unplugging for a while. As I told you earlier, almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. So Jesus in his life had ebb and flow. He, he was with the people, meeting their needs, talking and preaching and healing and everything, and then he would go into the wilderness or up on the mountain or alone by himself. And that's what we need. So this is one thing that's going on here. Here's something else that's going on. Why would Jesus go into the wilderness? He went there to be tempted and to be tested. In verse 3, the word tempted there is kind of a tricky word to translate from Greek because it means it can both mean to tempt and to test. So which was going on here with Jesus? I think a little bit of both. I think he was being tempted and he was being tested. He was being tempted by the devil because that's what it says there in Luke chapter 4. He was being tested also. Tempted and tested. Now God does not tempt us. We read in James 1, 13 and 14, no one should say, I'm being tempted by God because God cannot himself be tempted, neither does he tempt anyone else. But one is tempted by one's own desire and lured and enticed by it. Temptation is real for all of us, for all of us. That inner pull that we have to do what we know we should not do, we're enticed. But God tests us sometimes, doesn't he? Uh, Deuteronomy 8.2 is 
about the children of Israel where it says, Remember that long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 days in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. We are tested sometimes, too. Maybe you're going through a really tough time now, and, and you say, God, God, are you testing me now? Well, maybe. Maybe. The way you get stronger is by being tested. Temptation, on the other hand, is meant to bring you down. Testing is meant to build you up. Temptation is meant to bring you down. Jesus experienced all this for these 40 days. And here's the way he was tempted. One was uh, the first temptation just at the point of his personal and physical needs. Because Jesus was 100% human in, in addition to being 100% divine. And he had fasted for 40 days. And going without food every now and then, your stomach is gnawing. And you're, you're like, preacher, my stomach's gnawing right now. Um, I'm thinking about lunch right now. Don't think about lunch, okay? I just made you think about lunch. But Jesus had been thinking about food. And he was looking around all over the ground, these little brown stones in the Judean wilderness, baked brown by the sun, looked about like a little loaf of bread. And then the devil said, if you are the Son of God, turn that, that stone into bread. What would be wrong with that? As a matter of fact, you also, I'm sure, uh, Jesus was thinking about all of the people in the Judea and Samaria and Galilee who were poor and who didn't have much bread. And I'm sure the devil was, was saying, you know, if you can turn this stone to bread, then Think of all those stones you could turn to bread and give out to the people, and they would love you. You would be so popular if you did that. And so why not? Why didn't Jesus do this? Why didn't he turn that stone to bread? I mean, he was later going to turn water to wine. Why not stone to a bread? Why not? Why not, uh, why not feed the people with this bread? What could, what could be wrong with that? I mean, the Roman Empire uh, would sometimes distribute bread to, to further promote something in Caesar's kingdom, why wouldn't Jesus do the same thing to promote the kingdom of God? And the answer is because the time and the place was not right. Jesus knew that this was the time for him to say no to his physical appetite so that he could say yes to God. This was the time for him to say, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus knew that this was the time to pay attention to his spiritual hunger over his physical hunger, and there is a difference. Jesus was giving up what he wanted in order to promote what God wanted. And that's what we do. That's what we do during Lent. We say no to something earthly so that we can say yes to something heavenly. We say no to something that we want so that we can say yes to something that God wants. We say no to something that the world tells us is urgent so that we can say yes to something that God says is essential. That's the journey of Lent. And that struggle is in our wilderness time. The second temptation that the devil offered Jesus was political power. He said he promised him all the kingdoms of the world if he would just bow down. He was saying, you could have a kingdom. Jesus, your kingdom could be better than even the Roman Empire. It's the deal of a lifetime. Jesus, you can rule the world. Well, why not? 
Why? I mean, wasn't that what Jesus wanted anyway? Didn't he want to establish his kingdom? Why not here now? Why not? And Jesus' reply was, no. Because he knew that God's power was to be used on God's terms and in God's time. He was never going to rule by political authority. Because what Jesus wanted was our hearts freely given out of love. His kingdom was not an earthly kingdom. It was a kingdom in our hearts. The only lasting kingdom. Every other kingdom will rise and fall. And then the third temptation was for him to turn his miraculous power uh, and use it to draw attention to himself. Taken to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem, the devil said to him, just jump down from here, Jesus, and you'll just float down. You'll just float down like James Bond. You know that James Bond film where he has the jetpack and he just floats down to the ground? This is my loose interpretation of what the devil was saying here. Float down like James Bond. Everybody will see you. It'll be great. You'll be an instant celebrity. And on top of that, it's scriptural, the devil said. It's scriptural because the scriptures say that God will command his angels to catch you so you won't dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. God is not on trial here. God is not being tested here. Jesus is the one being tested. And he passed the test. He passed the test by saying, God, not what I want, but what you want. I'm not going to fall for some cheap publicity stunt. Jesus went into the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness to reap the benefits of the solitude that the wilderness provides and to face temptation and testing. So the next big question is, what does that have to do with the here and now? What does that have to do with us that Jesus went into the wilderness? Well, it reminds us a couple of things. I think first it reminds us that if Jesus was tempted, that surely we will be too. It shouldn't surprise us that we face temptation. It, you have to think about what nerve it took for the devil to tempt Jesus. I mean, this is Jesus. But that's what happened. And if his temptation was real, and it was, and if it was severe, and it was, and if it was subtle and tricky, then ours will be too. That's why when we pray like Jesus taught us to pray, like we did earlier in this service, one of the things we say in that pattern for prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Temptation and evil will be a part of our existence. Trials and temptations come to all of us. We all are going to be tempted to choose instant satisfaction with whatever it is that God is prompting us to do otherwise. We're all going to be tempted to be distracted by all of the glittery things that the world has to offer and to make that more important in our lives than it should be. We're all going to be tempted to go our way instead of going God's way. We all face this because God made us free creatures and we get the task of deciding both just like Jesus did. And the second way that this applies to us, I think, is that it reminds us that we don't face our temptations alone. We don't face it alone. Jesus knows what we are going through. He went through temptation. He went through there for us. And because of that, he can walk with us 
Hebrews 2.18 says, Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. No one can help you as much as someone who's walked those paths before. Jesus walked the journey of testing. He walked the journey of temptation. He walks it today with us. Whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through, he's already walked there. He's given us the perfect example. And the perfect example is for us to have the attitude of, God, whatever it is that you choose, that's what I want. To close these other voices out and to say, whatever it is you choose, God, that's what I want. I heard a story about a mother who had two sons named Billy and Tommy, and she gave them a job one Saturday morning to clean their rooms. Rooms were terrible. Boy, you got to clean the room. So she kind of upped the ante a little bit. She knew they were competitive with each other, and she brought out two special cupcakes. One had cherry frosting, one had chocolate frosting. And she said, all right, boys, whoever cleans their room first and gets back here to me gets first choice between these two cupcakes. Ready, go. And off they flew. And, I mean, dirty clothes were flying, and vacuums were going, and dusting, and all of these things, toys being picked up, all of these things going on just in a frantic mode. And Tommy finished first. He was the first one to get back to mom. And she said, okay, Tommy, you won. She held the two cupcakes up. You get to pick. Which one do you want? And Tommy eyed both cupcakes for a while and finally said, you know, I can't decide. Why don't you let Billy choose, and whichever one he chooses, that's the one I want. <laughs> so as you and I walk this 40-day journey to Easter, I want us to say every step of the way, God, whatever it is that you choose, that's what I want. Let's pray. is our closing hymn, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. And as we sing together,